Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And Phil, will the president win the Nobel Prize? Really? Really? Is that how we're starting this show? I think that's the big question out there, right? I mean, it's historic, right? So, Look, you watch it, and I never thought I'd see a time of the North Korean leader meeting the president of the United States, and nobody seems to really know exactly what they agreed upon. Which, you know, again, it sort of leads, begs the question of, you know, this talk of a Nobel Prize or a Nobel Peace Prize. You know, let's take ourselves back a few years when then-President Barack Obama sort of made amends and, and shared a handshake with, uh, with a, a Cuban leader, a certain Cuban leader. Um, and again, if you... It, it, to me, it seems like the roles were a bit reversed, right? And you had Republican leadership saying, well, how can you do this? And, and, and what about the human rights violations? I mean, if I recall, Marco Rubio, that's all he talked about was, how dare you go shake the, your, a hand with this person in Cuba, uh, with Castro in Cuba, who literally day in and day out, is, is his people are suffering. The Cuban people uh, don't have the rights and the freedoms. And if I recall, Republican leaders up and down, up and down Capitol Hill were criticizing then-President Barack Obama. Again, I, I am no foreign relations expert, okay? And I am I'm not saying what is right, what is wrong, what's the right way, what's the wrong way. However, it seems to me, once again, hypocritical, right? From, from the pundits on down to the elected officials who are now championing President Donald Trump for this historic, historic summit that nothing happened at. We took a great big photo op. And so I guess for the politicians, I think that's great. Look, as a former but, politician- But in that video- did you see that video trailer of what North Korea could be? <laughs> uh, you didn't know America's in the propaganda business for North Korea now. I mean, there's actually people at the summit and, 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 and who are on the inside. People from the White House thought that was a North Korean video. Little did they know that it was produced by the United States. Yeah, how does that happen exactly? I mean, I, I, no longer, I, I no longer ask that question in this administration. No, no, I'm saying it's not, like, it's not the fact that there was a video. It's the fact that people don't know what other people are doing. Supposedly, the negotiation teams had no idea what was going on. I mean, just the whole thing. I have to, I give, have to give credit. You have to give a little... Actually, I give a lot of credit. The fact that this happened has so upended the... You know, the conventional wisdom, once again, about what's possible, what's doable. And then you read this. I read this morning that, you know, the Iranians feel left out. They want to negotiate, too, with Trump. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, but, my question but, is, what are the Republicans going to think, by the right, way? Right. But it's it's fun. You know, it's all upended. I mean, I, I didn't think I could go to a situation where you'd have all the Democrats lining up against this on TV and all the Republicans supporting a negotiations with a totalitarian communist regime that used to be the whole so all the politics is totally mixed up people don't even know what on what message to be i mean look, there's no there's no talking points for this kind of thing i'm going to take us away i mean but take a look at the republican talking points sort of the republican messaging historically right and so foreign affairs you just hit it on the head what about trade i mean the other big item of the last couple of weeks is on trade and historically, Republicans sort of want a free enterprise, hands off, let things flow as they were. And all we keep hearing is about this White House and the Republicans getting on board with tariffs and, and, and trade wars. It's a fascinating new it's, it's, it's new talking points for the Republican Party. And so 
I'd be curious for you as a you know someone who's who's a Republican you know who sort of has believed and worked very hard for the Republican Party for so many years looks at this and says every one of our key messages. I mean, we're we're literally having shaking our ha- shaking hands with with dictators, right? People who. At who, the same, literally, I mean, the, the stories of him like having his own family killed, right? Right. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. There are no talking points for it. I mean, that's the problem. That's the struggle here. And then the president goes on TV and gives an interview, asked about North Korean human rights abuses. He says, "Well, other countries do it too." Um, I don't know if that's. I mean, clearly, hopefully, that's just spin, as opposed to saying that there are other many other countries that are as quite as repressive as North Korea. There are very few left. There used to be countries that are repressive as North Korea, but North Korea is kind of one of those Stalinist anachronisms of, and there there is almost no country that's as closed to the world as North Korea is. There's almost no country that has so many people in prison and forced labor camps as North Korea is. But to me, look, if we can achieve a denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, and this is actually possible, then that's great. I mean, that that takes care. If that is possible, maybe it is. Maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. But the problem is the agreement itself is beyond thin on details. Now, I'm sure that's by design, because I don't know exactly what... Look... You have two ways of thinking about this. I'll put, I'll, I'll put I'll put all the cards on the table. Either the president is an absolute genius, a, a, a absolute genius when it comes to it, and he has been able to do the things that nobody else has has been able to do. And there's a definite possibility that that's the case, or he's getting played. And that's there's that's the only way that I can see to really look at it is that he is uh, susceptible to to just the stagecraft and and to the to the showmanship of it and because of that he wants to go along and he's desperate to make a deal in order to make the show happen so i have so much to say and i look forward to the email we received from from listeners uh, this week but anybody who watched the interview with sean hannity right the president granted an interview to his you know propagandist in chief right to sean hannity and there was, it was something to me at the entire interview, and, and most of it you're able to ignore because it's just gibberish and, and propaganda and spin. But one thing that the president mentioned I thought was fascinating, right? Well, North Korea agreed to dismantle one of their nuclear testing sites, and yet it was too late. We, we, we agreed upon it too late to actually make it into the deal. So it wasn't in the deal. It wasn't on in writing. But after the fact, we agreed to it. Is, is that, I mean... It, You'll excuse me for a second because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to show my, my frustration. Like, what? what? We agreed to the dismantling of a, of a nuclear testing site after the fact. Like, oops, we, we forgot to put the, I want everybody to hear this, the, the deconstruction of a nuclear testing site. We just, we forgot or it was too late to actually get it into an agreement. But don't worry, we shook hands. We're good. It'll get dismantled. How? I don't know. Are there monitors? Are people going to watch it get dismantled? Are, do we now have some sort of new control over North Korea that we didn't have before? This was nothing more than, you know, sort of a, a pure photo op for a president who was struggling to be relevant, who was struggling to come up with wins. And, you know, well, for Republicans, I, I, I don't know about look, you don't think you don't think not upon you don't think Barack Obama could have asked North Korea or King, Kim Jong, his predecessor and or un to uh, to meet 
right, to have a photo op to talk about how we can work together. You don't think any, you don't think George Bush could have done that as well, right? This is not about Democrat or Republican. This is about you granted, you put, and, and people, there's been a lot of talk, mostly on left stream media, left wing media, about like how do you put the flags next to each other, right? America and North Korea. I mean, you're talking about the world's greatest superpower in America next to one of the world's worst nations. One of the worst nations, dictator. Their economy is in the toilet. I mean, apparently North Korea didn't even have their own plane to fly Kim Jong-un to Singapore. They actually had to get a plane from China because their economy is so bad, they don't have a plane to fly their uh, their dictator around. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is just almost entirely upended the whole... I, I agree with you. I mean, I, this a meeting with the President of the United States is a major concession. Uh, the President seems to have already promised to end military exercises with South Korea uh, as a concession. I mean, we're seeing a lot of concessions. We're not seeing a lot in the way of actually what North Korea is committed to. The president says he has achieved denuclearization of the peninsula. If that is has, in fact, happened, that's great. If that has, in fact, not happened, that's not that's really disappointing and i guess time is going to tell that that's the problem here is that we don't really have any idea about which way this is going to it could be that kim jong-un is so desperate to save his country or to stay in power that he's willing to cut a deal with the united states that'll essentially prop him up in return for whatever guarantees that he can stay in power. I mean, the paradigm has always been that they would eventually North Korea would collapse and there would be one Korea and South Korea would take over, kind of like what happened in Germany, right? You had East Germany, West Germany, and eventually West Germany took over and they became one country in Germany. That would be the same thing here. Perhaps this is not going to happen. I don't know. It's, as I said, it's either genius or it's total madness. Uh, and, and there's no way to know. But, you know, just to... I mean, you, you know, last comment there. I want to. We got to move on to the primaries. Yeah, I, I think. I think that kind of shows you a trend. I mean, let let's talk about like when we talked about the tax plan, right? We don't know. We don't have a clue. We don't really know what's in it. We don't know how it's going to impact the economy. We don't know how how it's going to impact. Time will tell, right? And so that seems to be a theme of this administration. Let's do a lot of, let's do a lot of, you know, sort of what is perceived as big things, but we really don't have the true understanding or, uh, of what it, what it's going to mean, what it's, what the implications are, what the intended circumstances, the unintended circumstances are going to be. We don't have a clue, right? So to say like, oh, we're so happy we've started this dialogue, I believe that George Bush could have started this dialogue. I believe that Barack Obama could have started this dialogue. I don't think we got anything out of this. I think North Korea was the, was the big victor in all of this. And so look, am I... I'm a, a consummate diplomat. I always believe we should be talking to everybody, but you don't instantly get a photo with the president of the United States. You don't get to have your flag side by side with the American flag. All these concessions that we gave in before we got anything, and quite frankly, now that it's all over, I still don't know what, what it is that we got outside of, what, promises from a dictator who murders his own family? Great. You know, that's, 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 that's a big win. I'm not sure I see it, but... Here's the message that I, I see on TV and I, I watch on Fox News is like, oh, wait and see. You know, our future is protected. Wait and see. Wait and see. So I, like most everybody, will wait and see. So the Republicans now are, are essentially stuck because they feel they have to follow the president. They don't. They're clearly very wary of anything involving North Korea. They're all falling over themselves to condemn Barack Obama for meeting with Cuba. And now all of a sudden you have something that's probably worse in many in most Republicans' eyes. Uh, and they really don't know what to do. But so, so you look at say, okay, how do we how do we go ahead and move forward? And then you, of course, you look at 
the primaries that happened this Tuesday. And you have a guy like Mark Sanford, who is about as rock rib conservative as they as they are in Congress and representing South Carolina, former governor. And he is defeated in a primary for being a critic of the president. Now, he's not a critic of the president because he's to the left. He's a critic of the president because he feels he's not a conservative. And yet he was thrown out of office. You also have in Virginia a white supremacist wins the Virginia Senate primary uh, and with 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 support from Trump. Corey Stewart, um, the National Republican Senatorial Committee has already said they won't support this guy. Uh, you, you know, you have now people who are winning these Republican primaries solely because of loyalty to the president, not on policy, not on anything, but other than the fact that they are loyal to the president. Uh, look, that could happen here in uh, next week in New York, where despite the fact that President Trump has endorsed Dan Donovan, uh, the incumbent congressman, he's getting a challenge from Mike Grimm, former congressman uh, who went to jail. And Grimm is trying to be the one who is most loyal to the president, saying Dan Donovan is not. But this seems to be the trend amongst Republicans. What's interesting? All, all this amongst Republican primaries is based on loyalty to Trump, not loyalty to necessarily to a set of principles, not loyalty to any Republican orthodoxies, but a loyalty to the president. And I'll just throw one more at, you know, even before North Korea, I know it's subsumed, but... Republicans are standing there watching in horror as the president slaps tariffs on our allies, on Canada. I'm all for a war with Canada. I mean, I think that'd be funny. I mean, I always wanted to, you know, curious how they fight in, in the red uniforms and, and how that all works. But I don't think they still do that. Do they not? No, I don't know. I think you're in the, in the big fur hats yeah, as well. No, yeah. not, no, no. That's, no, I mean, no, they I'm, do. I'm they, talking about the bounty hats. They like wear that. those two, the Mounties. Yes. The, yeah, yeah. That's, they, that's I wonder I if thinking. they're still on horses. I don't, I don't know. know. Interesting. We'll have to talk about that on another show. Yes. Interestingly enough, though, and you talk about uh, Mark Sanford, right? Who, I mean, a former governor, right? Like, he should have won his reelection. But here's what's fascinating. He voted in favor of the tax plan. He voted with the president on, on, uh, on the repeal of Obamacare. And yet, Representative Dan Donovan in Staten Island voted against President Trump. And yet, what happened? President worked against Mark Sanford and has endorsed Congressman Dan Donovan, which, you know, if you stand for nothing, you know, if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. And so you're exactly right. I mean, it's, I don't know if there's any, any, there's obviously no, it's not about ideology. It's not about political belief. Maybe it's about loyalty, but, but Congressman Dan Donovan has not been loyal to this president in terms of voting with him on key, um, uh, policy shifts uh, and policy moves of this administration. So I, I don't quite understand how you explain it, but here is what's fascinating, right? The president did endorse Congressman Dan Donovan in Staten Island, the, in the Staten Island primary, Staten Island and Brooklyn primary, against disgraced former Congressman Michael Grimm. And yet, the latest poll, Siena and New York One have a poll out that has Michael Grimm up by 10 points. 10 points. Interestingly enough, I think most people look at con you know former Congressman Michael Grimm as more like the president. He'll say anything. He'll do anything. I mean, he's 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 you know a he was a convicted felon, right? And and he literally will 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 be. He's trying to be the Donald Trump candidate. Dan Donovan, I think, is what you would expect from that district, right? You know, very a conservative, but a moderate conservative, right? Looking for for pragmatic, common sense approaches was not with the president on on the tax cut because I think 
being from New York, he had issues with the state and local tax deductions. Again, we don't know how that's going to impact anything, but he voted against the president. And yet, Donald Trump is supporting Congressman Donovan. And here's the most fascinating piece of this. It doesn't seem to be helping. It doesn't seem to be helping. Uh, But that's overall, as we see on TV, we see this on a regular basis. It seems to be loyalty to the person, to the man, not to a set of principles, not to Republicans that long had several orthodoxies that were part of the and I'm not even sure they can follow the president. I mean, in certain cases, this is working and this is working for them. I, I, I think that this has upended a lot of different uh, things. We'll have to see with the midterms come along as to whether because I'm confused. I have to say, as a guy who's done this for a long time, I'm kind of confused as to how this shakes out. Uh, I will say that if you look at Virginia, which is about as a bellwether type state that you need because it has a big mix of rural and suburban, but it, it's, you know, it's both, uh, it's definitely Southern uh, in, a, in a very big way. It's the, it's the birthplace of the Confederacy, and but it also has Northern suburbs. Uh, I'm sorry, the D.C. suburbs on the Northern part. And the turnout amongst Republicans, amongst within moderate areas, uh, they say in the D.C. suburbs and in the Richmond area, was way, way down. So a lot of people who uh, they were just didn't want any of those choices that are on the ballot. Now, will those people stay home in November? Will they come out and vote? Will they turn around and vote for a Democrat? You never know. It's very possible. But you have a candidate for the Republican Party to have a candidate for national office, for, for U.S. Senate. We're not going to talk about state Senate here, who talks about the Confederate flag as part of our heritage and doesn't condemn that. That's a problem. There's a big messaging problem for Republicans going into the midterms on that. And that overall, and he was obviously helped by the president's support, but that overall is a big uh, is going to be a big problem for the party. And I don't know how they're going to deal with some of these really fringe candidates. I, two words for you, Roy Moore, right? A Democrat winning in Alabama is all the message that Republicans should need. However, clearly they're not getting the message. And and by the way, I have no complaints because that's going to lead that's going to lead to a, what I see is going to be a huge Democratic wave coming in, 20, in 2018. I mean, I think that's what... And not because like... Here, I'll say this, not because we're... The Democrats are doing such a great job of messaging some sort of positive messaging, some sort of like, you know, real fix to some of the problems. I'm not saying they're not proposing anything, but I don't think there's a, a platform that the Democrats are running on. However, when you run candidates to the likes of Roy Moore, anti-Semitic, hateful, rhetoric spewing candidates. Wait, Roy Moore has Jewish, had a Jewish lawyer. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you remember. You don't remember that. I don't. Obviously. I don't. I clearly His forgot about that. wife said we had a Jewish lawyer. So I, I don't know how you can throw the anti-Semitic thing on there. But, uh, <laughs> but Phil, we're going we're gonna to change gears for a second on this. And I want to you know, go to something uh, a little bit different. On the hyper-local front, Phil, uh, this coming week, going to be a big election here in the village of Lawrence uh, for, for mayor. And I'm on the ballot. And uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, and I was hoping that you could kind of explain what it is about people who want to who want to serve in the public and you know take all the bullets and the arrows out there and all the problems and get called all the time when people have issues. We clearly have mental health problems. Um, you know, look, there, there's no question there are people who are designed who want to do good things for other people, right? Who want to serve in public service. 
you know, I did it. I did it for many, many years. I, I worked for other elected officials for over 10 years. I served in, in the state as a state elected official for five years. And yeah, it takes a certain type of person to, to want to do that, to get up every day to say, I am going to serve other people. It's a very hard life, right? And so granted, you get to do these amazing things and you get to be involved in people's lives and get to help people when they need help and get to take communities that are a bad place and hopefully bring them to a good place. But it takes a toll. It takes a toll on your family. It takes a toll on on you. It takes a toll on, on your personal life. I mean, it, it literally, I mean, you're you're dedicated. It's it's. There's no such thing as a nine to five, right? At three in the morning when there's an issue, right? During a snowstorm, when you want to reassure your family that everything is safe and you're home and blah, blah, you have to be out sometimes leading the plows across the streets, right? When there is uh, sometimes a bad accident, right? Or, or there's a bad, a bad incident, you have to be on the front lines. You have to be a leader. You have to show the community that you represent, the people that you serve, that, that you're there to represent them. And sometimes you have to sacrifice your own person in your own personal life, whether it's yourself, whether it's your family, whether it's friends, whether it's I wanted, you know, I had plans to do that. And now I can't anymore. And so it takes a very... What's the upside? It takes a very special person. What's, what's, I don't know, Michael. I mean, I, I guess that's a question I have for you. You're up for... Uh, you're running for election. You're running to, to be the, the mayor of Lawrence. I mean, you know, why is it wh- Why is it you want to run? I mean, what is it you're, you hope to accomplish? There is... It's kind of a calling. I, I think the only reason I went into public service was because after 9-11, I just felt that this was necessary. You got to give back. You got to do things. You got to make a difference in everyday life and I was already on Hatsala that was already very fulfilling but I just felt that there was a way to have an impact and having a platform and having that type of platform to do it and to accomplish good things not just for Lawrence but also for the broader community but more specifically for Lawrence there's look there's a lot of issues there's a lot of things that need to be a lot of things that need to be fixed and unfortunately they're not getting done I mean one of the biggest things I think is emergency preparedness we are probably no better prepared in this area uh, than we were before. Sandy, we're, I'd say we're marginally better prepared. Uh, I, I think a lot of the pre-planning just has not been done. We still don't have great evacuation routes. Uh, we are just, most people would not know what to do in the event uh, that another disaster struck. But th- that's just you know one thing overall. The coordination between emergency agencies is, is tough. I mean, one thing that I... Uh, insisted on when we built a new firehouse is having a emergency operations center in there. I mean, that's the, that was a big thing at which we do and a place. But you know, again, there's a lot of different things that need to be done. We also need to bring things into the 21st century, and that means you know, communicate, use technology, be able to do transactions. There's all kinds of things that need to be improved and and done. And it just you know it. Government moves glacially, as you, as you know. It just doesn't move fast enough, but we have to go ahead and make it move faster. Look, Michael, your record of accomplishment, your history, your resume all speak for itself. I mean, there, there's no question that you are qualified, that that you have sort of earned the, the right to continue to move forward, right? You have you've selflessly served for so many years. I mean, I, I guess the question is, is you know, given the, the local politics, right? And, and sort of, obviously, you're, you are running against an incumbent. I'd be curious to, to, to have a better understanding from you in terms of why now, why, why this race, and, and, and how do you think things are going to go on Tuesday? Yeah, well, it's not a secret. I, I was uh, going to run two years ago, and uh, that was uh, chose to step aside in the interests of, of unity with a, with a pledge of, uh, 
of, of running this unopposed this year. And I uh, clearly expected that to happen. And when that you know didn't happen, I look, I think it's very important for politicians to keep their word. I think that that is a very uh, now we all make the jokes about the promises and nobody ever keeps a promise and and the like. But the truth is, you really can't make deals with people with if they don't keep the word. And it's uh, it that's that's a of course a tough thing to swallow. So that's one of the reasons. But the other reason, of course, is that I see a lot of things that need to that need to be done. And uh, I've been on the board for uh, for ten years now, and there's just a lot of things that need to be improved in the village. A lot of decisions that the village needs to make appropriately. And I I, I look at myself as a consensus builder. Um, I have uh, you know I'm happy to have the support of the rest of the board. I look at happy to have the support of of people on the school board. Uh, you know very big you know people who are involved in the community uh, here and uh, you know uh, former uh, former uh, members of the board and and mayors uh, here in Lawrence. And I think overall, uh, I can bring a lot of unity as opposed to division. And unfortunately, we've we've suffered uh, even in Lawrence, even in ho- relatively homogeneous Lawrence, we've suffered from a lot of division uh, recently. So I think that that's a big that's a big message. Big message from my perspective is creating a sense of unity and collaboration and civility uh, back to the board. I don't want to see a situation where people come to a Lawrence board meeting and see people fighting openly. That's just unfortunate and that's uh, difficult. I think one of the key issues in this race is a development project that that may be going forward, may not be going forward uh, on the 878 and Rock Hall Road. It's former, I mean, it is village property that is now... Well, will be village property. It's not village property yet. Will be, excuse me, uh, will be village property that is slated to be, something is slated to happen there. I think there's been a lot of questions and uh, confusion and about what what that is. You know, sort of what's your take and, and where have you been on that? My take is ideally the first thing I'd like to look at is creating a park. I believe in open space. I think we are relatively well developed here in the five towns. And I think there are a lot of opportunities for, uh, to build housing elsewhere. But I think that if we can create something nice for and another amenity for the people in the village of Lawrence, I think that would be my first uh, my first thing. If that is not feasible to do there, uh, I think houses make sense. I don't know why the mayor picks seven. Um, and as a number, I don't know why seven, because we never did a survey. We don't have any actual information. Uh, could be four, could be 10, could be 12, could be eight. Seven just doesn't make... And the other thing, I don't know if the village should be in the business of marketing and developing houses. I don't know that it doesn't make a lot more sense if you want to do houses and if we want to do residents, that we give it over to somebody to go ahead and do the infrastructure, do the work and develop them. Uh, having the village do it just to me just makes absolutely no sense. And... Um, it's uh i think we as a board the other four the other the four trustees kind of stopped something that was kind of rolling and barreling ahead very quickly without any uh without any input so one final question on local politics i mean there's been a lot of talk and we talk developing development is the perfect segue to talk about what's happening in woodmere and why you know should residents be afraid that something similar could happen here all of a sudden a developer gets a hold of it and, and we're building 50 houses or, that, or 100 well, that, houses yeah, the different. I mean, the difference. The basic difference here with our golf club is that it's a park. Um, so as you as you know, if you alienating a park is a very parkland is a very difficult process in New York State. I don't see how that could possibly happen. Plus, the fact our club has a different dynamic than does the Woodmere Club. 
Um, and I, I, you know, I don't see any scenario whatsoever in which we would sell it or even pieces. I mean, I, what I want to do is add to it. I think, uh, I think we make a larger Simcha hall for people, uh, you know, catering hall, catering facility, catering facility is doing quite well. Uh, we have excellent, uh, excellent choices there. And I think we can do a lot with it and improve that situation and make it even more profitable. I think the, I think, Overall, golf is a difficult game right now with with regard to the economics, but we can. I think we can make it work. Um, the Woodmere situation. Look, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate they've sold themselves, and whatever happens there is going to be is certainly going to be something that's going to happen over the next couple of years. People want to make that into a park. Uh, certainly, something I would support if they if people actually want to pay for it. But that would go to a referendum, and it seems to me that it would be quite expensive. But I think we have to take a take a stand to preserve open space. You only get one chance to preserve open space. Once we go ahead and sell off the land at the sewer plant, it's gone. It's never coming back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here. We have a big elections coming up next Tuesday. Mike will be running uh, in uh, what is becoming a a competitive uh, mayoral race here in Lawrence. In addition, the following week on the 26th, depending on where you live. New York State primaries. New York State uh, congressional primaries here in New York State. We do primaries. We love them so much. We We love to vote pretty much every week in in New York. So you're voting this Tuesday here in the five towns. You're voting next Tuesday all across New York State. State primaries, we're going to talk about that, are coming up in September. September. We got some time. All leading up to the general election in November, what is going to be a continuation of an exciting, exciting election year in 2018. Thank you very much, Phil. I really uh, yeah, appreciate uh, the, the discussion. And uh, and that's it here this week here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.